somebody will sing solo. If you got your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. This week, um, y'all need to do a lot, a lot, of, a lot of praying. Lots of praying. Um, if you heard any names mentioned, remember them and call them out. Um, we see him work. I can't wait to see what he does this week. I'll be honest with you. Acts chapter 3. All of my life, I have grown up, and I've heard people say, I've heard my parents say, they might not have much. So-and-so down the road might not have much, but they'll give, they'll give someone the shirt off their back if they need it. I'm sure you all all heard that. They give, they'll give them the shirt off their back if they need it. Those people are few and far between anymore. A lot of people are greedy. I won't harp on that, but they ain't. Those people just don't exist much anymore. I, I remember growing up and, and my neighbors and uh, living there in a, in a small little farming community. They didn't have much, but I guarantee you they give you the shirt off their back. They give you their last dime, as they say. The, the um, Gaither Vocal Band sings a song. Uh, it's called Give It Away. And uh, the chorus says, If you want more happy than your heart will hold, if you want to stand taller if the truth were told, Take whatever you have and give it away. If you want less lonely and a lot more fun and a deep satisfaction when the day is done, then throw your heart wide open and give it away. Whatever you got, give it away. If you remember, Jesus told them, sell it off. Give it away and follow me. Whatever you got, just get rid of it and follow me. And I think there's so many different things we can think of when we, we read the scripture and we see where Jesus is telling them, get rid of it and follow me. If you have a lot of toys in your life, what happens? You get a little preoccupied with those toys and you forget about things, mainly God. You get so fixated on, I got a, and I thought about this when we got that old, that old Chevy truck to, to fix or GMC. It's an 85. It's, it's not the best looking thing in the world. It's, it's going to need some tender loving care. But as I drove it over, Maria followed me over. I dropped off with the mechanic so you put tires on it and do some things. That's always been a dream of mine is to have a truck to fix up with the girls or my dad who just happened to invite himself into that fixer-upper somehow. But as we were driving, I got thinking, where am I going to put this in my list of priorities? I know a lot of people that get a Saturday and a Sunday off and they would stay out there in that garage with that truck for a Saturday and a Sunday, and they'd put God on the back burner. God's asking us, telling us, get your priorities in line. If you got junk that you don't need, you got stuff you don't need, if you got stuff in your life that's hindering your worship, get rid of it. Don't put anything above me. Give it away. Just get rid of it. Give it away. Now, this morning we're going to look at we're going to look at three men. Two gave something away and one received it. Two gave it away, one received it. Peter, we're going to look at Peter and John first. Now, if you think about Peter and John, they're going into the temple, and we're going to read scripture in just a second. But they're going into their three o'clock prayer meeting. Pretty much is what it says. They're going to pray. They're going into the temple to pray. Now, these two, if you go through the New Testament much, 
you're going to see they're together a lot. If you go into uh, Acts 5, first thing you see are them, them two. They're fishing. So you know they got to be pretty good buddies if they're going fishing together. But then they give their hearts to Jesus. They're on that boat together. So they've got a relationship. They've bonded. You go into Luke 22, you see them going into the upper room and they're preparing uh, the Lord's Supper. They're getting ready to, to break bread one more time with Jesus. And then you go into John 20 and they're running together as, that, as the tomb has been, or the, the stone has rolled away from the tomb and it's empty. So you got John and you got Peter and they're going together to see the tomb. And then you go into Acts, uh, Acts 8, I think. I think it's Acts 8. And they're preaching together. They're preaching to the Samaritans together. Now, I've always liked Peter because Peter sometimes reminds me of myself. He has no filter. Peter says and does a lot of things, and I, I reflect back on comments that I make sometimes off the cuff, and I think, the only thing I ain't done yet is cut somebody's ear off. That's what Peter done. But you think about Peter and think about what, how he was, and, and they, but they were total opposites. John and Peter were total opposites. Peter was outgoing, and he always had something to say. Always had something to say. Uh, he, never, he never hesitated when it came to giving his opinion or cutting off ears. He just did it. Just do it. Don't do it, guys. Please don't. That's, you might go to jail. Sometimes, sometimes he would stick his foot in his mouth. And then sometimes the only reason he'd open his mouth was to switch feet. <laughs> Get the other one in there somehow. But that was Peter. Peter was fiery. Peter loved Jesus. Peter wanted people to hear about Jesus. No matter what it took. No matter how he had to relay the message he would do it. Then you got John, on the other hand. John's easygoing, soft-hearted. There's a lot more of those in the world probably than there are Peters right, right now. He's pretty reserved. They didn't always get along, though. And because their personalities were so different, I guess. But they were always together. They played well. Uh, I always thought of a good cop, bad cop when I think of Peter and John. John be over there loving on them. Peter's over there roughing them up. But they were two different types of people there. But after Jesus ascended, when Jesus went to heaven and he left them the Holy Spirit, things changed. Not just for them too, but for all of us. Things changed. Their attitudes changed. They stayed together. They stuck together. And now they're going to go pray together up in the temple. If you've got your Bibles open, stay in just a moment. We're going to read Acts chapter 3. A few verses here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, so three o'clock prayer meeting. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet 
and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Let's pray. Father, again, we... Church. Father, I want to thank you for an opportunity to bring our pains, our heartaches, our sufferings straight back to you. You hear all. You've heard it all. Father, you've seen it all. You know our hearts. You know where we're, where we're hurting right now. Father, I pray that this morning as we go into your message, Lord, I just ask that it would be an encouragement for someone. Lord, I pray that it would be pleasing to you whatever is spoken. God, again, we ask that you would just have your will and way in the service. God, I ask for your blessings. I ask for a double portion this morning. God, grant us liberty as we preach. Lord, we give you praise, honor, and glory for whatever takes place. I'll listen to your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, here's two men going to the temple together. Now, if you think about it, the way they were and the way they are, at this point, they wasn't competing for greatness. All right? they, wasn't, uh, they wasn't running up the steps to see who could go in the front door, who could get the best seat. They was going in together, side by side, because their goal was not to focus on their status as Christians. Their goal was to go worship and praise God at the temple. Their goal after the ascension was to tell everybody and anybody that they could come across about Jesus. That was their goal. We got to get the gospel out. We got to tell as many people as possible. That's their goal. So there was no race between the two. The only thing that they were racing was time because it was very limited. They didn't have much time. We don't have much time, and they knew that. And they were going to be persecuted later on. So they were, they were in a hurry to get up there and worship and then go out and, and tell everybody they could about Jesus, never letting any disagreements in their lives, never letting any hurt feelings come between them. The only thing that they wanted to do was preach Christ crucified. They wanted to preach the gospel, and they've put everything else behind them. Now, we're going to look at three this morning. We're going to look at Peter, we're going to look at John, we're going to look at this lame man, and I pray that God will use this message to speak to somebody's heart. He's worked me out. You know what? I've been working on this since Sunday, and it came from a song that we listened to Sunday on the way to church. And all it was was one word, beautiful. Just one word, beautiful. I love I love this verse. I love that gate. And we'll talk about the gate a little bit later. First thing we'll look at this morning is the man. Just the man. Look over at verse 2 again. It says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. We see a man here who's born crippled, never been able to walk since birth. Somebody's had to carry him around. As a young child, somebody had to carry him around. As a teenager, somebody had to carry him around. And as an adult, we know somebody has had to carry him around because he can't move. He's crippled, can't walk. More than likely, his parents knew something was going on with him when he was born. And they may have dreaded it back then. 
Because you know how them Jews are. What did we do to deserve this? What sin did we have in our lives to make our son cripple? That's the way they believed. They thought that because they'd done something wrong, that their punishment from God was to be crippled or diseased, something like that. While all these other kids laughed and they played out on the streets and they was having them a good time, this young man just had to sit and watch. I don't know that they played football and soccer and all that stuff back then, but he just sat and watched them do whatever they do. In those days, there wasn't anything like a wheelchair. So he couldn't roll himself around. So his friends, as an adult now, as he didn't have a way of working, couldn't bring in any income, his friends just dropped him off at the temple. They took him down to the gate. And all the man could do every day was just sit at the gate, alms for a poor man. You got any alms to spare? You have a coin. You have anything. And he sat all day long. When I was over there a couple years ago, they still do this. They beg outside the temple. And things never change. They still feel the same way. They're crippled because their parents sinned against God. They still feel this way. That ain't right. Folks, that ain't biblical. I, I won't harp on it much, but that ain't right. Nobody cared for him whatsoever. Now, what I want to look at this morning on this part right here is his physical condition is an illustration of our spiritual condition. He's lame. He's lame. We're spiritually lame. We're struggling. We can't get on our feet sometimes. We're born this way. Think about it. He was born that way. You were born spiritually sin, uh, corrupt in sin. Spiritually, that's how we was born. Keith talked a little bit about it this morning, about childbirth from Adam and Eve, and that's the punishment is the pain and, and all that we're going through now because of Adam and Eve. So this young man was born crippled with this sin. We're born crippled with sin. He was born crippled, not just with his legs, but he was crippled by sin as well. He's no different than us. Every single one of us is born with sin. He was born spiritually crippled. Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, worldly psychology says that man is born neutral at worst, is what they say, and at best there's just this little spark of divinity in there, just a little bit. Well, you know what? That ain't biblical and that ain't sound doctrine. How many of y'all have ever had to teach your youngin' uh, uh, to say mine? I really wish Ethan was here. Have you had a teacher how to say mine yet, or did she pick it up on her own? You don't have to answer that. I don't know that anybody's ever had to tell a youngin how to be selfish. We don't have to teach that. That comes natural. We're born that way. We are. We're born that way. How many of y'all taught your youngin to have a, a temper tantrum when they didn't get their way? You don't have to teach that mess. That's normal. And it gets worse 
the older they get, I think. Right, Hunter? <laughs> I'm sorry, right, Rita? <laughs> think about it, though. Wrong comes natural to humans. That's the way it is. Right has to be taught. Wrong, we've got to tell them the difference in right and wrong, but we have to teach right. We all have to teach right, and it ain't just our kids. We're teaching other kids what right is. What we do here on Wednesday nights, we're trying to teach these children right because so many are living wrong right now. And it ain't just the children. There's a lot of people in our lives that are living wrong that we need to be Peter and John to and teach them what is right. We need to be showing the world what is right because they were born understanding more about wrong than right. They don't have that, that convicting spirit on them yet. They don't know Jesus yet. We can help them with that. That's what, that's what these guys are doing. That's what we need to be doing. This man reminds us that sin cripples all that it touches. I've never seen sin come into somebody's life and not cripple them. Sin, if you let it in your home, it will cripple your home. It will destroy your home. Sin, if you let it sneak into the churches, it will cripple the body of the church if you let it in. Sin, if you let it into your life, it will cripple you. It will get you down. It'll make you beg. It'll make you cry. It'll make you plead to God to please take it away so that I can get back to what I think is normal. Sin cripples all that it touches. It's like a plague or shingles. <laughs> you don't want to mess with it. You don't want to touch it because it spreads. Once it gets in you, it just, it just spreads. We don't want that mess. You don't want that stuff. It's the same for it's the same for this man that can't walk. It's the same for Peter. It's the same for John. They were all born into sin. But all they had to do was ask Jesus to come into their life Amen. and just forgive them. And Jesus said, I'll wash it away. I'll take it away. You're covered under the blood now. Then he says, go and sin no more which is the hardest thing I think we've all had to do is sin no more. Now, this man couldn't walk. This man couldn't work. This man definitely couldn't worship. If you know much about Jewish history and, and heritage and law, the law kept anybody out of the temple uh, because if they were crippled, they were considered ceremonially unclean. Lepers. We, talk, we hear all about the lepers in here. Lepers couldn't worship in the temple. They had, to, they had to be signed off on when they were clean. They had to go on over to the, the priest or whatever to, have, to be signed off on so that they were considered unclean. Or clean, I'm sorry. They wore the bells and all that other stuff to be considered unclean. So this man couldn't worship. This man was crippled from birth and never got to experience the inside of that temple. He never got to go with his parents. Remember Jesus? He went with his parents to the temple. He couldn't go in. So all he could do was just sit outside the gate. He wasn't good enough 
to go inside. He's not worthy of being in the presence of, of God's holiness. It's the way they looked at it. So he just sat outside and listened. There are too many people in this world that we live in right now that feel just like this crippled man. There's a lot of people in this world that will make it right to that door and then they'll just plop down because they say, I'm not good enough to be inside that church. I'm not good enough to be in the presence of God's people. I'm not good enough to be in the presence of God, so I'll just sit outside the church. Or better yet, I'll just sit in the parking lot. Or maybe I'll just sit at home. I feel a little bit more safe here, more comfortable here. It don't work like that. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants them inside the church door. Jesus wants them inside here with his people. Jesus wants them in here with him because he's amongst us. Because I'm pretty sure this morning that we're two or three are gathered in his name. He's here with us. I'm pretty sure he's here with us this morning. Jesus says, I want them in the church. I want them in the temple. I want them worshiping. I want them praising. I want them singing. There's nothing wrong with him that I can't fix. Because he can fix it. That's what he does. As he fixes us because we're broken people. And he can fix broken people. Aren't you glad that because of the blood of Jesus, the worst of the worst can come inside and be made clean? Because I know I was. I was made clean. Not that I was the worst of the worst. Paul said it the best. He's a chief sinner. Sometimes I feel like I outrank him. Sometimes we all probably do feel like we knocked him down from chief center and we took his place. There's things we say or do that makes us feel guilty. But Jesus said, I'll clean you up. I want to clean you up. Now, Jesus ain't waiting for you to clean yourself up because you can't do it. What Jesus is waiting on is for you to come to him and let him clean you up because Again, that's what he does. Amen. He can clean this up. He will clean this up. He takes away the sin. He takes away the bitterness and the pain and all the suffering that we might be going through right now. He cleans us up. He cleans us. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Folks, if you've ever had sin in your life, you know how heavy it is. Burdens are heavy. And he says, I'll share that yoke with you. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you bear that load. Better yet, just give it all to me because you don't need it because you can't handle it. He says, just lay it up here. Bring it up here. Just lay it at my feet, and I will take care of it for you, and I'm going to take care of you. But you've got to turn it loose. In verse 2, we'll see that entrance there where the man is, is uh, sitting and it's a place called beautiful. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to get to see that one of these days when we're raptured out of here and we go by the grave, we're going to get to go see beautiful because that's the eastern gate. That's the eastern gate. That's where we're going to enter into the gates or into, into heaven is that eastern gate. And that gate, back when they made that thing, is made of Corinthian brass, and it was laid with gold and with silver. 
And as that sun would pop up over those eastern mountains, the first thing that it would hit was that gate. And it'd shine, shine, shine. And it's so pretty. Now, this gate was worth a fortune, but laying right there against it is a man that's flawed. Can you imagine that? Can you? I cannot think of anything around here to compare to a gate like that. I don't even think there's anything down at the, the Biltmore House. And what they got up at the White House is just ugly. But you got this gorgeous, beautiful gate. And then you got this filthy, homeless beggar sitting right beside of it. Laying against that beautiful gate is an outcast of society. Just sitting there asking for a little money. This gate is a treasure in that community. And this man was considered trash. If you ever go out in some of these housing developments, you don't see many people putting their trash out next to a pretty gate, do you? Not normally. They hide it somehow. They may set it off in the corner or put it in a nice fancy box or something. But you don't put your trash against the gate, especially a nice gate. But that's the way they looked at this man. As he was trash, sitting beside this beautiful gate. Loveliness versus lameness is what I read sometime this week. Loveliness versus lameness. And that, folks, is a picture of me and Jesus. He's lovely. I'm lame. I'm ugly. He's beautiful. That's Jesus. That, what you see there, that's me and Jesus. That's you and Jesus. We're lame. He's lovely. He's that beautiful gate, and we're that trash outside. Because we are old, filthy sinners. Because of sin, I, I, I become that outcast. But, but, I'm resting against the beauty of Christ. So this side of heaven, I'm just trash. But once I go home, I'll be in his presence and in his image. And he is beautiful. He is beautiful. He is that gate. I'm ugly because of sin, but I'm covered by his beauty. Now, it's true that some people can beautify the outside. Some people can, can slap on the makeup, and they can pretty up their eyes and, and their lips, and they can do their hair up, and they can look good. Obviously, I don't have that skill. But you can't fix the inward appearance. You can't fix the eternal appearance. You can't fix the internal appearance. We're still ugly inside. We're still lame inside. You can put all kinds of makeup on and wigs and, and nice suits and dresses and all that stuff, but you're still lame inside. Ain't we? Now, you can do something that he could have done something to the outside. He could have cut his hair up, you know, made it nice and high and tight and cleaned himself up and shaved a little bit and, and been presentable. He could have put on some nicer clothes, but he'd still been lame. And we're the same way. He's still been lame. He could have at least put on a decent robe and leaned up against that beautiful gate, but he'd still been lame. We're still lame. No matter what we do on the outside, we're still lame. We're still struggling. 
How many times have we seen this play out in churches? We think a $1,000 suit or a $1,000 dress is going to impress God. I, we see it once a year, and it's usually at Easter. I've got to go get the nicest thing I can find because I've got to impress God that one time I come to church a year. I've got to look the best that I can. Or maybe Christmas. may spurge a little bit and buy two nice suits. $1,000 suits, $1,000 dresses ain't going to impress God. And it sure is the world ain't going to impress me. I don't need to see it. I get $80 suits at Sigmund's. <laughs> I ain't trying to impress God. I ain't trying to impress you. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what God's looking for. God don't want you to try to impress him. He don't want you to get all dolled up. He just wants you to come as you are. As a beggar. As trash, as a sinner, come as you are. I love that song. Just come as you are. I don't care how much you scrub a pig or how many bows you put in her tail. Still a pig. Boy, if Nat was only here. Boy, I could, I could get him good right now. You can doll that thing up, wash that pig up, no matter how much you clean up the outside. I've, I've said it before, you just put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. No matter how much you decorate and you try to polish up that pig, it's still a pig. It's always going to be a pig inside. Always. It will never change. Until it goes in the frying pan, it becomes bacon. And I like bacon. This man, no matter how much he cleaned up or tried to clean up, he would have still been lame. No matter how much makeup that you try to put on yourself or, or aftershave you throw on yourself, folks, sin is sin. That's all there is to it. Sin is sin. It's still going to be inside of us. You can put on I could put on Garland tried to get me to get one of those robes one time to wear here on the Garland. And he was about that close to getting me to do it. But he wanted me to wear or not he, but he did want me to wear the robe, but it doesn't matter. I could put a robe on. I put twelve robes on. But sin is still sin, and it's still going to be inside of me. I can't cover it up. He can't cover it up. We spend too much time trying to clean up our lives and going to church. Without the Lord coming inside of you, folks, to cleanse you up, to forgive you, to save you, we're spiritually lame. If the Lord ain't in you, you're lame. That's all there is to it. So number one, we've met the man. Number two, let's look at the miracle. Go back over to verse three. It says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. I like that. He got him by the right hand. That's, that's the good hand there. And lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this miracle could not be denied. If you'll look at verse 10, it says, And they knew that it was he, that, he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And they knew that it was he which sat. They knew it. They couldn't deny it. They could not deny it. 
How many years? I don't know how many years. How long had that man been sitting at, at the gate of beautiful, the beautiful gate? And people, same people walking by him every day and him asking for alms. You got a buck. You got a dollar or two I can, I can have. This guy, all he's doing is he just needs to provide daily for himself. That's it. Just give me a few quarters. Give me something so that I can provide for myself. So these people knew who he was, and there was absolutely no denying who he was when he walked in that temple. When he walked in, you, I, you could just hear it. <gasps> Look who it is. There may not have been much worshiping going on with everybody else, but I know three that was doing some worshiping when they got in there. Everybody else is focused on that one man, and that one man's focused on God. That's the way it ought to be. He was focused on God when he went in there. Every day, the people who entered the temple would pass him, just walk right by him, and he, was, he would have been a nuisance probably, or they felt like it. I don't think he's pushy. I think he's a pretty humble failure myself. I don't know him. I'll meet him one day. But they thought, well, he's a nuisance. He's a problem. And most of them probably never even stopped to give him time of day. And now he's running. Now he's leaping. Now he's worshiping. Do you know, I, in the Bible, it doesn't say he ran home to tell his parents, hey, look, I can walk. He didn't run down the road to find his buddies to say, hey, you don't need to carry me down there anymore. What did he do? He walked into the temple with Peter and John. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and he walked straight into the temple. And then he leaped. I believe that's the first documented case of Pentecostal right there. You're supposed to laugh. That's holiness. That's the first holiness person right there. But he leaped. He went straight in. You can't argue with truth. They knew it was the truth. They couldn't argue with it. Why would you want to argue with it? You can't deny reality. That's what happened. They knew who he was. This miracle could not be humanly explained. But I like the, over in verse 12, Peter and John said, don't look at us. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. That's all God. That's all God. Flip over, look at verse 13 real fast. It says, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy, Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith is in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Always comes back to this, don't it? Always comes back to that, that point of decision. Always comes back to, do you trust Jesus or not? Have you put your faith in Jesus or not? Have you accepted Jesus or not? They had the opportunity. They had the, per they had the platform. God provided the platform right there with this lame man. In Jesus' name, 
get up and walk. And he did. And now they get to preach. They performed a miracle. And now they get to explain why he's walking. Let me tell you what you done to Jesus and who this Jesus is. I like it. It couldn't be denied. Now the third thing, and this is the last one, is the message. In verse 6, look over at verse 6 one more time. It says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. Peter wasn't apologizing for the fact that he and John were broke because they were broke. They were bragging. They had bragging rights to this one. It was because of Jesus. They were bragging. Even if Peter could have given him that silver and gold, he'd have still been lame. They could have emptied their pockets out in his pots and he'd have never walked a step. But they gave him something a whole lot better than silver and gold or cash or hamburger or a Happy Meal or a Big Mac or anything else that they could have laid down there for him because they didn't have anything. They offered him something greater than he could ever expected. Peter gave him a new beginning. That's what he got. He got to, for the first time in his life, experience life. He got a new, he was made a new creature. He got his legs. He was able to stand and walk and run and leap and worship and probably work now. But he got healed. He got fixed. Peter gave him that new beginning. Well, what about you? What about you? Do you need a fresh start? Some of us need a fresh start. Some of us need a new beginning. Some of us ain't been leaping lately. Who needs a new start? Who needs a touch of God this morning? Probably all of us. If you really sit and think about it, we all need a touch. Just a touch. That's all we need, just, just a little touch to get us going, to get us leaping. I can't, I can't write you a blank check, but I can give you something a lot better than that. What I can do, I don't have much to offer you, just like Peter said there. But what I've got to offer you is a relationship with Jesus. And that's better than any blank check that you'll ever get. It's better than any lottery you might win or bingo game or root game. It's the best. That relationship is all I have to offer you. And my prayer is that each one of y'all have that relationship. That's my prayer, that each person here has a relationship. That at some time in your life, somebody preached or somebody sung or somebody prayed for you and said, I don't have much to offer, but what I do is a relationship with Jesus and you can have it. And you said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Stand with me. We're going to close out. I'll say it one more time. I'm offering you a relationship. 
I ain't offering you silver or gold. I'm just going to offer you a relationship. If you want it, you can have it. Jerry, I can't remember how you said it this morning, but you just right on. He's talking about free will. You just spot on. Don't understand it. But he us. So it's free will for you. If you want it, you can have it. If not, I got mine. That's okay. We'll just pray that you get it one day. All hearts and minds clear before we dismiss this evening. We all would be leaping. We'll be leaping like that lame man when we leave here. But it's been good to be here today. Jerry, will you dismiss us, please?